Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Waiver Wire podcast here on the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. Of course, every week on the show, we break down all of the top waiver wire options. We are now here in week 14. Every week on the show, we go through the potential difference makers, the borderline starters, and the deep league stashes and ads. Um, you know, obviously, we're, we're here later in the season, so it's uh, it's getting pretty thin out there. We're basically waiting on injuries, and you know th- there really is not a ton of uh, performance-based changes, right? There's not guys breaking out. I mean, there are some, right? Cole Komet with Jimmy Graham, the the flippening there in Chicago, but for the most part, we are monitoring injuries. Uh, and then, you know, I do think there probably is a chance that there are some rookies and younger players who have not played up into this point in the season who are going to see some role expansions over the last two weeks. Uh, you know, if you are in the FFPC main event, uh, in the NFFC leagues, waiver wire is done for the year. Uh, your roster is what it is. So this is mostly going to be thinking about, you know, 12 team home leagues, you know, just your standard 12 team self-contained PPR leagues. But let's go ahead and get into it. The potential difference makers, we have to start with none other than Kiki Cutie, who gained about 25% of his career yardage in the Texans' loss to the Colts. Kiki led Texans receivers with eight catches and nine targets for 141 yards. Former New York Jet Chad Hansen, who hasn't played since 2017, also had a 100-yard outing. So I think we learned a couple things here. First, the Texans don't just view Kiki as a slot wide receiver. They left Isaiah Coulter inactive. But then also, Deshaun Watson, still really good, does not necessarily need all pro wide receivers to play with him in order to generate yardage. Now, Kiki's stat line was definitely, of course, influenced by a 65-yard catch that he had on the Texans' very first drive. But Kiki's really fast. Those are the sorts of things that he is capable of of doing. So whatever fab you have left, I I think you can spend it on Kiki. I think he looks like probably our best waiver wire ad that we are going to have here towards the end of the season. The Texans defense remains really poor. Deshaun Watson remains brilliant. It's all just sort of a a perfect um, culmination of things to make Kiki have some great fantasy value here towards the end of the season. Moving on now to Ty Johnson. Frank Gore played only two snaps and then got concussed, which led to Ty Johnson shouldering the load for the really run-heavy Jets. And this is a key point. Yes, the Jets are always like 10-point dogs, but it just doesn't really matter because they run the ball so often, even when they're trailing. Uh, In this game, Ty Johnson recorded 22 rushes and two targets, playing on 39 of 62 offensive snaps. Josh Adams filled in as the backup with eight rushes, no targets, and 19 of 62 snaps. Of course, it's not going to surprise anyone. You know, Frank Gore is basically a cockroach that you cannot kill. You know, he is going to be back, right? If, if, if there is anything for him to say, he is very likely uh, to be back. But if he's not, Ty Johnson should get the start next week against the Seahawks. 
you know, honestly, kind of a good spot given how poor the Seahawks have been. I don't think this is like C.J. Anderson in 2018 in terms of finding a starting running back late in the season. But in a starting role, Johnson should project for, you know, 12 to 13 fantasy points per game. And I think he has some ceiling as well. I would prioritize Kiki over uh, Ty Johnson, but obviously Johnson is better if you're just desperately needing to fill a running back slot. Our final difference-making ad, um, it's Cole Komet, and you, some of you guys are probably going to be surprised by this, but you know the flippening at tight end has now happened for the Bears. Komet outsnapped Jimmy Graham for the second week in a row. In the Bears' loss to the Lions, Komet played 59 of 60, 54 of 69 offensive snaps and was targeted a career-high seven times. Graham saw only one target in his limited playing time. For the remainder of the year, you, we can expect Komet to stay in this role and for Graham's time to continue to flounder. I think that the expansion of Komet's role also is going to allow for more 11 personnel for the Bears. Not that, you know, they're really, it does, their games do not matter in the context of the NFL at this point. The reason I put Komet in the must-add tier is because obviously the tight end position is really gross right now. And Komet might actually be a difference maker. He was the tight end who had the most draft capital from the 2020 class. It would make sense for him to receive an audition for the Bears because they are just going to be evaluating a lot of things for their roster next year. Now, it doesn't mean that he is going to go on some insane rip towards the end of the year where he's seeing seven targets a game, but I, I think it's possible. And in a tight end premium format, and I, I might eat these words if Ty Johnson gets like 28 touches next week, but I would actually add Komet over Ty Johnson in, you know, if you're in like an FFPC Dynasty League, or, uh, he's probably owned in Dynasty Leagues, but basically if you're in a tight end premium format, I would add Komet over Ty Johnson. Moving now to the borderline guys, uh, we have Andy Isabella, who I just need to talk about because he finally saw over 50% of the Arizona Cardinals snaps, played 84% on Sunday. He saw five targets, which was the second most of the wide receivers, uh, third most on the team behind, of course, DeAndre Hopkins and Chase Edmonds. It's unclear when and if Larry Fitzgerald is going to return from the COVID list and if also he will resume his normal playing time when he's back from the list. I mean, you think that he would. Uh, the Cardinals... Uh, honestly, off the top of my head, I don't really know how live they are drawing for playoff spots. Like it feels like they were drawing super live for a while. Yeah, they're six and six now. So, uh, they're ahead of, of course, all the NFC East teams. They're ahead of, they could be ahead of the Buccaneers. You know, if the Buccaneers kind of don't get their shit together, I guess I could see the Cardinals back during the playoffs, but they're definitely not going to win the division now. Uh, so yeah, their games do still matter to some extent. You're probably not going to feel comfortable starting Isabella, but I, I basically maintain that his theoretical role as the deep threat here, if Kyler gets his shoulder stuff figured out, it should be valuable. Like I think he can kind of be the last guy on your bench in like deeper 12 team leagues, 14 plus team leagues. Um, you know, and you know that he's gonna be on the field with Kyler Murray, Christian Kirk, like the the breakout really has not happened for him. Uh, another secondary wide receiver ad, Rashard Higgins. Uh, the Browns crushed the Titans on Sunday. They did not have to throw very often. They had only three active wide receivers. Uh, Higgins actually played the most wide receiver snaps, saw only one less target than Jarvis Landry with nine. The list of fifth-year breakout wide receivers in the NFL is super short, but it's not impossible that Higgins is on that list. He was super productive in college at Colorado State. He's had a weird career with the weirdest organization of pro football and has basically always had roadblocks to his playing time. 
There are no roadblocks anymore. This is kind of his audition, really, for a second contract with the Cleveland Browns. And also, you know, Baker Mayfield was playing better than even in his rookie year. And I, I think Higgins is kind of like a, a borderline wide receiver four or five who is startable in like an absolute pinch. Um, and then, you know, another fringe benefit here is Cleveland has really stopped targeting their tight ends over the last month of the season. And that's moved an extra kind of three to five percent of target share in Higgins's direction. Uh, next up is Corderell Patterson. Not really for the reason you think. He did have a really good game on Sunday. 10 rushes, 2 targets. Played on only 17 of 69 offensive snaps, but got a touch on 12 of those snaps. But basically, Patterson is just the, the stone-cold handcuff here to David Montgomery. If David Montgomery was to get injured, not play over the next couple games, I would expect you know probably a 15-touch game from... Uh, CPAT, and that's pretty valuable because I still think CPAT is pretty good. But basically, he can play the running back position. He is the direct handcuff to David Montgomery if he was to get injured. And, you know, any clear handcuff basically just needs to be owned in the playoffs because, you know, guys like Devontae Booker, uh, you know, just their bet. I mean, how many examples are there of running backs who have filled in towards the end of the year and who have crushed? And Patterson is now one of those guys. Continuing our disgusting tight end theme, I mean, I have talked about so many freaking tight ends on this podcast over the course of the year, you guys, but now we are here with none other than Anthony Ferkser. Uh, with Johnu Smith out, Ferkser actually played the third most tight end snaps with Jeff Swaim and Michael Pruitt playing 38 and 32. Ferkser played 30, but Ferkser basically just plays wide receiver. He's the move tight end. Most of his snaps are coming from the slot. He played no snaps in 12 personnel, which basically says when Ferkser's out there, they are passing the ball. He was targeted seven times, uh, had an end zone target. Basically, the Titans just do not view him as a strong blocker. The Titans run a lot, so it's hard for Ferkser to get those early down snaps, but we don't really care about that anyways. Um, I think as long as Jonu remains out, Ferkser kind of projects for like five to eight targets, always drawing live to a touchdown. He is worth owning in 12-team leagues with Jonu Smith out. Next up in our tight end excursion, Jacob Hollister in the second full game without Greg Olson, it became clear that Hollister and Dis that Hollister and not Disley is the receiving tight end in the Seahawks offense, though Disley is playing enough to keep Hollister from ranking as like a stud tight end. So from week 13, Hollister played 40 snaps, Disley played 37, Jacob Hollister ran 30 routes, Disley ran 20, Hollister was targeted four times, Disley, uh, Disley was targeted five times. Neither Hollister nor Disley are like special athletes or players, and the context of the Seattle offense has changed. The first, you know, six weeks of the season, we wanted to own David Moore, we wanted to own the handcuffs, like we wanted as many Seattle players as possible. Now, it seems like Russ might be hurt. It just kind of seems like Seattle is going through, obviously, some natural regression from that insane start to the year. The third or fourth passing option in this offense used to be really enticing. It's less enticing now. But obviously, you know, football is random. It's chaotic. It's highly variant. And Russ could catch fire to end the year yet again. And in that scenario, I definitely think you would want Hollister. I mean, Will Disley has actually gone on one of these runs before, even with, you know, stronger wide receivers in, um, you know, in the that offense. If we go look at Disley's um, career uh, game logs, it was back in 2019. He had uh, an eight-target game in week four against Arizona. And then in the week three game, he had seven targets and a touchdown against New Orleans. That was at the beginning of last year. And then actually, if we go back to 2018, he had a run where he was just a, an absolute touchdown machine for the Seattle offense as well. So, you know, that role is potentially hanging out there for... Hollister. 
definitely need to talk about Jalen Hurts. This is actually very similar to the Taysom Hill thing, where it's just hard to not rank these guys as top 12 starting quarterbacks. I don't actually think that Hurts is going to have as much success as Taysom has at throwing the ball, but I expect him to be a better runner. Uh, he ran for 21 touchdowns his final season at Oklahoma, over uh, 1,200 rushing yards on over 200 rushing attempts. He is big. He's strong. Uh, I don't think he's going to have any fear. You know, this is a guy who's played national championship games. Like, I just don't think the moment is going to be too big for him. That's like a little bit of narrative street. But basically, I mean, we just know. Like, this is, it's literally just math. Rushing quarterbacks have a huge advantage over pass-only quarterbacks. Hurts, and also, Hurts has a shit ton of good weapons, guys. Like, he has uh, Jalen Rager. He has Travis Fulgham, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, Boston Scott, Miles Sanders. Like, he's got so many talented players around him. Uh, things are just going to look up for Jalen Hurts. So in leagues where I don't have a, um, like in leagues where I basically don't have a locked in starting quarterback, I am making Hurts a priority this week. Finally, our deep league targets and our bench stashes. Josh Adams, he now is in the handcuff role in the New York Jets offense with Frank Gore out. Uh, if you are, for if for whatever reason, like if you were still in a league where waivers are competitive, $0 bids, $1 bids on Josh Adams, I think are rational right now. Uh, and he actually had a good rushing game, 74 rushing yards on only eight carries against the Raiders. You know, again, it's a Jets running back. You know what you're getting. Like, it's, it's not going to be great. But he also, if something happens to Ty Johnson, he might truly be... Uh, the last man standing in the Jets' backfield. Next up, we have Jalen Richard, who played in a 50-50 split with Devontae Booker, while Theo Riddick chipped in as well. Uh, he played 17 snaps. Booker was pretty useless, 50 yards on 60 carries. Uh, Richard only got five touches, but was a little bit more efficient, ran more passing routes than Booker did. He's the better um, like he's the better blocking running back as well. Richard is now the handcuff to the handcuff situation, but Josh Jacobs is not going to play in uh, week, uh, where are we, week 14 now. So it actually really wouldn't surprise me if Richard plays more than Booker this next week. And in that scenario, you know, I think he would be the more effective pass catching back as well. So Richard, pretty good, you know, $1 bid or whatever this week. The final guy, Donovan Peoples-Jones with Kaderil Hodge out, only three wide receivers active. Uh, Peoples-Jones played a season high 41%, 40 one snaps, snagged a wide open 75 yard touchdown. It's unclear how injured Hodge is, but I'm intrigued by Peoples Jones, especially like for Dynasty. He's an above average spark athlete, a five star high school recruit who just played in this horrible situation at the University of Michigan. Uh, he doesn't really need to be rostered in 12 team leagues, but 14 team leagues, deeper Dynasty leagues. I think he is an interesting guy to not only add, but also, you know, like fourth round picks trade for him because uh, guys like this with Good high school pedigree who play in terrible college situations have some hidden upside at the NFL level. So uh, that is where we are at with the waiver wire this week. Hope this was useful. Hope this was helpful. Continued good luck in your fantasy playoffs. Build digital first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.